hymn, actually, and only three pages apart in the hymnal. And so we'll have to get that other one. But uh, Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, maybe everybody's dreading this passage is why we have such poor attendance tonight. I'm not quite sure. Uh, No need to be afraid of the Scriptures. Uh, The Bible has the answer, and every time, I not maybe not every time, but uh, so many times reading through our our Bible, coming to this particular passage of relationships between wives and husbands, husbands and wives, children and parents, uh, servants and, and masters, uh, a quote just kind of rings in my uh, mind. It's actually stuck in my crawl more than anything. Uh, some of you may have heard of James Dobson. He is supposed to be a Christian psychiatrist, psychologist. Um, he's real big when I was a kid. He was on the radio everywhere. And, and if you listen to Christian radio, you listen to James Dobson. And uh, he made a, 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 a statement one time. Someone had written him a letter asking him about baptism. And I said, oh, this is going to be good. And uh, it was. Uh, I'm uh, still angered every time I think of it. He says, that is a theological question. And he says, I am not a theologian. I am a psychiatrist. He says, I help people with their relationships. If you want a Bible answer to a Bible question, you need to talk to a theologian. But if you want a Bible answer to um, interpersonal relationships and how to deal with other people, then you come to me because I'm a psychologist. How many of you caught the hook in there? And I'm not quoting perfect. But he says, I don't know enough about the Bible to tell you what baptism is and isn't. Now, what, uh, as I look out over the auditorium, except for the youngest children here, every person in this auditorium is more qualified theologically than Dr. James Dobson, according to his own statement. And that tells us that when he goes and gets his answer to personal relationships... This is not his primary source. He is going to secular psychology. And this is why we do not like him. And I've had people say, why do you name names? Well, if you go back just a few verses here, uh, let me find it here. Verse 11, it says, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. We didn't spend a great deal of time there. Uh, it, it is sometimes the duty of a pastor to explain to you and, and to remind you uh, things that uh, most of us are pretty well short of. We just not 100% sometimes on that, and that's why we... Spend time on things like this. If a person is getting their information from the world, they're not going to help you get closer to Christ. 
Uh, is the world wrong about everything? No. The world is not wrong about everything. Our choice, our, our choice in life should not simply be between right and wrong. Our choice ought to be, read Hebrew, I mean, uh, Philippians chapter 3, we're, we're supposed to approve those things that are excellent. We, we don't want things halfway. And um, so as we start this passage here, and I know we have uh, people here that are not wives and not husbands, but uh, just hang on till we get to children, I guess. Uh, but uh, there is a place here in, in all of these things, and there are principles that every one of us need to grasp. And we finished last week with this, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Now, this is the summary. This is how we live the Christian life. This is the greatest ideal that has ever been attained to by mankind. Uh, Thomas Jefferson called it the pursuit of happiness. It is the taking of my hopes and my plans and my wishes and subjecting them, submitting them to the greatest good of society as a whole. It is seeking what is best for those around me. Um, how many of you are old enough to remember Ronald Reagan? And uh, he coined a phrase. It was his. No one else had it. He called it trickle-down economics. How many of you have heard that phrase, mocked and abused and misused on the, uh, I mean, nobody wants trickle-down economics. We want trickle-up economics. Okay, uh, you have to understand something. Uh, Ronald Reagan was truly an economist. How many of you remember 21% interest on loans? And the savings and loan debacle and uh, inflation that was double digits. In fact, it was uh, under President Jimmy Carter, uh, the, the news media and powers of be came up with the misery index. Uh, and, and it was rather high. It was, it was also a political tool. Uh, Ronald Reagan said, how are you doing? And uh, nobody voted for Jimmy Carter. Or Walter Mondale. Um, but as we look at, at these things here, we have to understand something. Doing things God's way benefits everyone involved. And when Ronald Reagan talked about trickle-down economics, he said, will you please just let the investors invest and the people that own the businesses uh, move forward, and that's going to make better jobs. I'll tell you what, it works. It, it just does. And as we look at this, we have to understand that we can't go to the world. We cannot rely on the wisdom of the world. That's one of the things that we try to encourage uh, young couples, especially 
Don't just look up everything on the Internet. Uh, I got a, a text, uh, some, uh, no one, not a member of the church, praise God, but uh, someone well-meaning was sent, sent me a text that had all the symptoms of this coronavirus and how to stay away from it. And I, I read through that thing and it says, a cough that goes away and then comes back and moves down into your chest. I'm sitting here, man, I'm guilty. Uh, I, I got the, I, I said, I know I don't have coronavirus. That's not possible. Not been exposed to it, not been around anyone that could. But if you're not careful, you listen to the world. We're influenced by them in ways that we do not even think. The Bible has been characterized as God wants a woman barefoot and pregnant and running around the house. And uh, Listen, look what it says here. Verse 21, we're just going to get in here and, and let the Bible speak for itself. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let wives be subject unto their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall man... Leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ in the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. So he takes the rest of chapter 5 here and deals with the relationship between Husband and wife. And as we've said so many times, Paul just seemingly does not take a breath in the book of Ephesians. I mean, it's just boom, 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 boom. And so he, he doesn't mince the words. He doesn't uh, 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 say this is for your best interest. He just simply says, wives, submit. Now, I looked up the word just to make sure, and it says to place oneself under the control of a person in authority or power. Oh, wow. Uh, Gloria Steinem and all of those people, I mean, they just blew a gasket now, didn't they? Uh, the feminist movement and all of this. You know, the feminist movement is only missing one thing, femininity. Uh, it's gone. Uh, I guess they're against it. Um, it says to become subject, surrender oneself to yield to a person or his rule. Now, it says here, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband. 
And you know what? That works out really good as long as he does everything she says. Amen? Uh, the, the point being here is, it says, as unto the Lord. Now, let me ask you a question here. Did the Lord Jesus know where he was going when he was born in Bethlehem's manger? Did he have a plan? He had a direction. He had things he was going to accomplish. In fact, uh, we might say that uh, his drive uh, was so severe at times that he would tell the... Um, uh, he told the Samaritans that he was going to Jerusalem and they wouldn't receive him. Do you remember that? And John and uh, James and John said, maybe we should call God to rain fire down on them. And, and Jesus said, I have one thing that I'm going to do. His earnestness in the Garden of Gethsemane should prove that beyond any shadow of a point. And we submit ourselves to Jesus Christ. Because he is the only one who knows where he's going. Amen? I mean, the direction, when we talk about the church, the church was never intended to direct itself. That's why Jesus is the head of the church. We are to grow up into him. That's our theme verse for this year. And it says here, that we are to uh, wives are to submit themselves unto now that those two next pronouns there are very 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 important. Uh, I think about eighty percent of my counseling between husbands and wives could be solved with those two pronouns. Your own. Uh, it's easy to submit to what you think somebody else who is not your husband would say. But it is awful tough to listen to the man that you're married to. At least this is what I've been told. And uh, the point of, of this passage here is verse 23. The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. And I can tell you uh, many very well-designed horror stories here, which I think I should uh, uh, spare you most of them tonight and not waste the time here. But, you see, this idea here of the Savior, we, we live in a world. When we talk about the spiritual world, we have our own heart that's trying to draw us aside, away from Christ. We have people in the world that are calling to us. We have the devil himself who is laying snares for us. Uh, there is a great deal of opposition to the idea of a church following Jesus Christ. Would you agree with me on that statement? And I will tell you that likewise, there is a great deal of opposition to a wife simply following her husband. Everybody has a book. In fact, I just got a, an email today from, or yesterday from uh, some, oh, it was Charles Stanley. 
And he endorsed this woman who wrote a program for single mothers on how to raise their children. And uh, we we need to present that to our church. Well, the email got deleted, all right? So uh, I, have, I have no need for that. We don't want people giving us their ideas of how they think we ought to live. You see, what we need to do as a church is follow Christ. And, and ladies, as a wife, all you need to do is follow your husband. I think some of the sweetest words, I've used this uh, illustration many times. My wife and I were just a few months before our marriage, and and uh, she got very jittery, and I, I said, we need to sit down and talk. And she said, well, I, I don't know. I said, well, let's just sit down and talk. And she said, I don't know if I'm called to New York City. I'm sitting here going, uh-oh, what's, what, what is this? Uh, And then it hit me. He said, you don't need to be called to New York City. I said, I'm your calling. And I'm saying, now what did I just say? Uh, Ephesians chapter 5. I was not quoting it directly. And I I remember her. She just looked at me. I don't know if she remembers this or not. She just, I can live with that. And I'm sitting here going, yes, we're moving in the right direction here. Problem solved. You see, we're so worried about the world in which we live, ladies, that we're trying to make things look good for the world when the Bible just simply says, submit to your own husband. And that's a high price to pay. Um... This was on the other side. Someone talked to me years ago. I'll not give a name, not a member of our church at all, but just said, you know, I'm getting a little older. I'm thinking about getting married. And I said, you know, if that's what you think about it, don't do it. It costs a lot more than that. It's not just something you do. It's something you give your life to. You've got to surrender every point uh, of your life here. And, And wives, it says that... As Christ is the Savior of the church, He will keep you from the stress and struggle and the problems of this world. You don't have to compete in the world. I remember my father died when I was only 14. And my mom had to live in a world of men. And it wasn't as easy back then as it is today. And it was... Very, very difficult for her. And the simple truth of the matter is, we've got to live in the place that God places us. But you know, when it comes to the Word of God, how many sermons have I preached on, we don't interpret the Bible, we obey it. We don't change the words of the Bible We don't sit here and try to manipulate Bible verses to get what we want from the Bible. We have to modify what we believe and we have to surrender ourselves and our thoughts to the Bible. I couldn't couldn't give you a number on how many sermons like that I've preached. Well, you know what that says? That's how wives submit themselves to their husbands. As unto the Lord. 
instead of manipulating and trying to get uh, things changed to get your way. It's just following. It says, as the church is to Christ, so the wife is to be to her own husband. Three verses there. And what an uproar. I mean, there is just not one bit of agreement from anybody today except those that are willing to submit themselves unto the words of Scripture. Now, husband, if you want a wife that is willing to do this, then you'd better get ready because we go from 25 down to 33, and then we pick up another verse in Ephesians chapter 6, and this is all directed toward the husbands and the men. Uh, if you want a biblically submissive wife, then you must be a biblically obedient husband. Um, if you remember, uh, there, this passage says an awful lot about direction and knowing where you're going and what you're doing. And uh, if there's anything that is discouraged in our society and in our world today... It is a man that has some direction. It, it is a man that knows where he's going, what he's trying to do. Uh, why do you think they hate President Trump the way they do? Uh, he said, I'm going to get this economy moving. When our former president told us that 1% and 2% and even negative economic growth, you know what that is? That's decline. <laughs> he said, that's the best we can expect. We're looking at exactly what the president said before he's a president. Almost 3% growth in our economy. That's unbelievable. The strongest economic force in the world is the United States right now. And it's because of our president. That's why they hate him. He's actually doing what he said. He said he's going to do something about immigration. They had this one place there in Arizona. 14,000 arrests every month. That doesn't count the people that got through without being arrested. The arrest rate last month was down 95%. In fact, they don't even have to patrol that area hardly at all anymore because nobody's even trying to get through that same area because they've been deterred. And that's a bad thing. I'm not trying to defend the president here. What I'm trying to do is use an illustration as why people hate him. He's actually getting things done. He's doing what he said. And men, if you're going to be a biblical husband, look what it says here. Love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. I want you to understand, a wife will willingly submit to a husband who has given himself to her. And this is simply uh, an illustration. Look what it says here. Here's what Christ wants for his church. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man 
ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. Now, the Bible says God has a plan for the church. He wants us to be sanctified. That word means separated from the world. Uh, men, you want your wife to be separated from the world. You don't want her to have to live out there in that halt slop uh, of all the problems and the fighting. I don't want my wife having to fight with men all day at work and argue with them at the office. Uh, I'll take care of that. In fact, there's been a couple of times somebody calls up and, and she'll say they won't get off the phone. I said, I, I, I'll handle that. I get them off the phone uh, real quick. Uh, the, the simple truth of the matter is, it says that he might sanctify it and cleanse it. It is your job as a husband to make her duties at home easier. This is just the way it's supposed to be. There is a process here. There is a work. It's a, I, I've often, I don't think I've ever performed a marriage of a couple that I haven't spent at least a little bit of time here. It says you can make your wife the princess of the castle or the scullery maid, one of the two. Uh, it is your choice, but if you're a real man... You're going to want to make her the princess of the castle. You're going to make do your best to make her life what it ought to be in the Lord. It says here that a man ought to love their wife as their own body. Uh, you know, and, and we live in a world where people love to talk about hating themselves. But isn't it interesting, somebody that's got a problem hating themselves will spend $300 an hour on a psychiatrist to solve that problem? You see, it's really not there. And uh, I've heard these hair commercials. Have you ever heard the prices some of these guys spend? I remember one guy called into a radio show he was spending like $800 a month so he could have fake hair. It's worth every penny of it. And I mean, the guy was... And my thought right here is, he's going to spend $800 a month on his wife or something? Absolutely not. This is a very selfish type individual here. Um if you love your wife, you love yourself. And some of the most wonderful times in a marriage is when you're struggling and you have nothing but each other. You see, there's nothing that gets in the way and distracts you at that point. And you understand and Every man in here ought to understand the purpose of a marriage is to last until Jesus comes back. That's the purpose. And you're going to have to do some things to make that happen. Uh, the word nourish means to supply a thing, whatever 
is necessary to promote its growth or formation to or to maintain its proper condition. The the idea of nourishing is to provoke to promote growth and formation. The word cherish means to hold dear, to treat with tenderness and affection, to make much of, to take affectionate care of, to keep or guard carefully. Now, we, uh, every, every person must do that for their own body. You, you have to take care of it. Uh, but here's what it says. No man, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth, even as the Lord the church. Verse 30, for we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And what this is saying here is, we're members of Christ. As a saved human being, we're members of one another, we're members of Jesus Christ, we're part of that body, then why aren't we getting our direction from Jesus the way we should? If you want direction for your life, the Bible is full of it. And it's not just for preachers. It solves. If we will, uh, those of you that have been through that lesson on seeking God's will, know that by being obedient to the things the Bible says, the other decisions of life make themselves for you. And if we will follow that way and surrender ourselves... We're members of Christ. We should automatically be living like Jesus Christ. That's, that's what this passage is saying. And it says in the next verse, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. It's not hard to get a wife to leave her family if the man will leave his. You're starting a new family. Uh, and I, I challenge, don't, don't compare her biscuits to your mother's. She's been making them a lot longer than you've been alive. Uh, give her a chance to catch up. Uh, the, the whole point here is, this is a great mystery. I mean, you, you stop and you think about all of the people that live in this world. And the two people would say, God put us together. In fact, I know preachers that say, listen, this idea that God picked one person and one wife and put them together is ridiculous. There's, there's many people you could get along with. You pick one and that's, well, I, I don't believe that. I believe God's capable of picking one person and putting them together. I believe he's capable of keeping us together. And I will tell you this, if you are married, it's your will it's God's will to stay that way. There is no question there. But it is an incredible mystery. You can't explain why. Person A and person B are together as husband and wife. I, I don't know how many times 
over the years. I hope you know how high over your head you married. I said, I absolutely do. I understand that. Uh, because, uh, you know, if, if you remember when Brother Brown was here, he still referred to me as the fellow that broke up the Marshall family. And uh, uh, Dad's looking for somebody. He's only got, what, two left now, right? And uh, But the idea here simply is you can't explain everything. If you're going to sit down here and try to write it all out and work out a contract, I want to promise you, you're not going to have much of a marriage. Because that's not how it works. If we are serving Christ, we're willingly, the the number one word here, husbands love your wives. The number one word here, wives submit yourselves unto your husbands. And I've heard preachers preach that, yeah, a woman doesn't really ever love a man like a man loves a woman. And uh, Excuse me, this is a mystery. Stop trying to explain the mystery. I mean, that works for Colombo, but it doesn't work in a real marriage. Amen? You see, God wants us. Can you explain to me why God loves you so much? Why He should? I'll tell you what, if you think you have reasons why God should love you so much, you don't understand why God loves you. You you just have no clue. It's a mystery. It's something you must accept by faith. And as you do, it allows you to serve God. Can we say amen to that? And the husband and wife, guess what? You have to accept that thing by faith. And I, first to admit, I I think the gentleman's got a whole lot easier job than the lady does. Because trying to follow someone who doesn't know where they're going is a very trying thing. And uh, that's why we have all these jokes. Get out and ask directions. I'm not asking anybody directions. I got a uh, phone right here. Uh, But uh, listen, if the man is members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones, he ought to act like Jesus Christ. That's going to put him in the right track. Amen? And ladies, if you'll help them there. And so we have this summary here. He says, this is a great mystery. And I'm sure that it would have even been more mysterious to the Apostle Paul because the best we understand was the Apostle Paul was never married. And uh, he's not going to try to explain this. He says, but I do speak, I, I, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. It is a great mystery concerning Christ and the church. We don't understand nor will we ever truly comprehend everything that God has given to us in His great love that He has expressed us, expressed toward us in sending Christ to die on the cross. But how about this? Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Same two words again, just worded a little different. Uh, man, love, woman, 
Instead of submit, the word is reverence. And uh, the meaning here of the word reverence is to regard with reverence or veneration uh, as having a divine or sacred character, uh, to hold in high respect or esteem, to venerate as a being of an exalted or superior kind. And uh, every man's going, yes, yeah, exalted, superior, yes. No, it says to regard. Every one of us know that we're all created the same before Christ. But we have a position, we have duties. And uh, gentlemen, don't expect your wife to reverence you and submit to you until you've given yourself to her. That's, that's the passage here. That's how this works. And the greatest gift that parents can give their children is to follow this command. We have so many young people here in, the, in our society, in this city especially, that have no understanding as what the word authority means. That's why when a police officer says stop, they keep going. And we have had some very terrible things happen. Uh, some of you remember that Amadou Diallo thing years ago where he was shot 50-some times. And you know what the reason was? He wouldn't stop. And his parents said, well, we're afraid of police. Uh, excuse me, this is America. You don't need to be afraid of the police. Um, we, we need to understand something here. If we're going to follow this pattern, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now, I would say, uh, I wouldn't know of any time in the history of this church, uh, because the, the Bible tells us as parents that we're to lead our children in the right direction. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Uh, there are parents who ask their children to do wrong things, but very, very, very few. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment, with promise. And we don't have time to go into all of this tonight, but the whole idea of honoring your parents is not just obeying them, though it certainly was. Uh, if you've been doing the Bible reading schedule, you just read through the book of Deuteronomy. What were parents supposed to do to a child that would not obey. They're supposed to drag him before the judges and say, this is our son, he's a drunkard and a glutton, he won't pay any attention. And it was a capital offense. Uh, we couldn't do that in America today. There wouldn't be a next generation. Um, and it's because parents are not spending time being obedient to the biblical commands. If you... Love your, your wife as Jesus Christ did and gave yourself for it. Are you going to let your kids grow up to be criminals? Uh, as Jesus told the uh, uh, disciples, I trow not. It just, it can't happen. It's not going to. And uh, there's a promise here. It says, that thy days may be long upon the earth. It says that it might be well with thee, that thou mayest live long on the earth. And then verse 4 here, And fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. 
And I don't know that a father has ever been a real father that has not provoked his children uh, at one time or another. Uh, they, I want to do what I want to do. Well, that's not what this is talking about here. It's don't give them reason to think that you're leading them in the wrong direction. That's what this is talking about. You know, you you uh, may have grown up in a home where money was everything and a job and all of this, and you grow up and become an adult and find out that just because you have money and a job and everything they say that's going to make your life happy, that doesn't make you happy. That's where the hippies came from. They had prosperity. America had beaten back Hitler and had slowed down the advance of communism in the world. And many Americans thought that they were living in heaven. And many people in the rest of the world thought that America was heaven. And you read the the stories of those immigrants that come into Ellis Island. I thought the streets were paved with gold. Talking about New York City and, and these things. And people have come here. And yet, I'll tell you this, the American dream is simply that. If you do not seek the things that are in this book called the Bible... And raise our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That means there are things that are right and there are things that are wrong. And uh, if you were here um, New Year's Eve, we watched that movie Time Changer. And, and they dealt with this very principle that we can't just arbitrarily say this is right and this is wrong or this is in the best interest of our society as a whole. That's what the communists and the socialists and all the rest of the istinisms and schisms do. We believe what we believe because Jesus said so and everything we believe is attached to the personal ministry and the recorded words of Jesus Christ. Uh, we have two things to do very quickly here. It says, Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Now, of course, we understand the word servant there is slave. and uh, But yet, we do have a great application here. It, it's not wrong to do what the boss says. And, and we shouldn't do it out of a uh, uh, an arrogance or... Uh, uh, and it says, uh, but with fear and trembling, not with eye service as men pleasers. How many of you work with somebody that's a man pleaser? I mean, I don't know anything that's more frustrating than that. Somebody that's always trying to show off for the boss. Oh, it just drives me crazy. What we're trying to do is get the job done. Amen. It says, doing the will of God with the heart. With good will. 
doing service as to the Lord and not to men. The Bible says here, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall receive of the Lord. Do you realize that as Paul was reading these words, he was talking to slaves. And some of the slaves had gotten this idea that I'm a Christian, I am free from all men, I don't have to obey my master anymore, and things got very difficult there. And yet, if they would be obedient and do the work that was there as unto the Lord, the Lord would reward them for doing good, whether they were slaves or whether they were free. That, that simply, you can find your greatest fulfillment in life in just serving God where you are. You do not have to change the world. What's the saying they used to say? He who uh, leaves home to set the world on fire often returns for more matches or something along those lines. Uh, What we're trying to do is we're trying to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And here it says, And ye masters, do the same thing unto them. Forbearing, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven, neither is there respect of persons with him. And that takes this whole passage here. We, We should not lead... If you're a master, if you're a boss, if you're in charge of things, you don't have to lead by threatening. You don't, you would lead others as Christ has led you. That's our example. Amen. If you have to serve, if you have to do things, be obedient to those masters in the flesh. Listen and, and actually try to do And serve as unto the Lord Jesus Christ. God will reward obedient service, whether it's demanded or whether it's freely given. But if we will make it obedient service, then we will have the freedom of knowing that I am serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we serve the Lord Jesus Christ, you know what we're going to find? We'll be the best wife, the best husband, the best children, the best servants, the best masters, the best administrators. Whatever uh, phrase or title you want to stick in there. And yet, now he's going to draw it all down here. Finally, my brethren, and we talk about the armor of God. Uh, This is a connected thought. You must be in your position that God has put you in, serving in the place where God has put you, growing up into Jesus Christ. And if we'll do things the Bible way and start out where we are, I'll tell you this, God will take us where He wants us to be. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning.